UCM The Beat, the one and only radio station of the University of Central Missouri. Welcome to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Abram Tabor. Today, we're here with Katie Kim, 2019 alumnus of International Studies right here at UCM, and who is currently on staff with Navigators International Ministries. Welcome to the show, Katie. And before we get going, I do have to give a bit of a legal disclaimer for our listeners out there that Katie is not an official spokesperson in any way of the Navigators. What she says may or may not be their official opinion, just the way that somebody who works at McDonald's may not be giving the official opinion of McDonald's when they're talking to me over in this chair over there. And I just think that's an important disclaimer to give, given the work that Katie does. Now, given that, let's dive right into some questions. You have a lot of studying abroad experience, and you, I hear you traveled to Japan, but you originally wanted to go to France or a French-speaking country. How did you make that transition from coming to UCM, wanting to study in France, and then get to Japan? Because I feel like that's, <laughs> uh, there's a pretty big difference there culturally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as a freshman, I came in um, pretty, pretty confident that I was going to finish learning French and then study in France and then transition to Spanish and also study in a Spanish-speaking country. And I really, really enjoyed my French classes with Dr. Govec. Um, those were super fun and I learned a lot. Um, but my freshman year, I had a roommate from Japan and I had never met anyone from Japan before. And I didn't know a single thing about the Japanese language or culture or anything. Um, but my roommate and I read the Bible together, and she was here to learn English, and trying to read the Bible in a language that you're still learning is just incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, and she was just very, very interested and could read the Bible in her own language, but there was nobody that she could, like, discuss her questions with um, in her own language. You know, everything she had to translate to English in order to talk about it. Um, and so... After she left, she was here for one year. After she left, I took um, an online Japanese class that the university had at the time and was also continuing to take French at that time. So I was taking both languages at the same time. Highly don't recommend. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, as I was preparing to study abroad in a French-speaking country, I had my eyes on Martinique, actually, which is in the Caribbean. Um, Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> but... I was just, you know, talking about this with my friends and, you know, sharing about how much I was enjoying learning Japanese and how important it was to me to have Japanese speakers here on campus um, to discuss the Bible with people who are interested. Um, one of my friends who is Japanese just looked at me and said, Katie, why don't you come study at my university. I'm going to go home. I will be there with you. You know, I can show you around. And when she said that to me, it was like something just like, like pierced my whole heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's what I have to do. Um, and so I spent about a week praying about it and um, seeking advice and wise counsel. Um, and yeah, then I made the decision to study in Kansai Gaidai instead of in France <laughs> or a French speaking country. Yeah, to everyone's surprise, I didn't hardly speak any Japanese at the time. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but Super, super enjoyed my time there. And because there were so many Japanese exchange students at UCM, I already had many connections, you know, on the ground when I got to Japan. Awesome. 
and they were so helpful. My roommate from my freshman year was there. Um, we would just bump into each other on campus. It was crazy. So yeah, that was great. So was it a bit of a harsh transition for you who were studying French for a while and didn't like your, it sounds like your understanding of the Japanese language was a little bit minimal. Was that a harsh transition to studying abroad without like much knowledge of the language or did you pick up on it fairly well? I was really, really blessed to have many English-speaking friends in Japan, <laughs> lots of people who had spent time here in the States and were really familiar with American culture, um, which was helpful as well. Um, and I also studied at Kansai Gaidai, which is a foreign language school in Japan. So everyone oh, okay. there is studying a foreign language, um, most of them studying English. So in that aspect, to be honest, it wasn't really a great place to study Japanese because many people could speak English and wanted to speak English. But I did have a Japanese host family that really encouraged me um, and was really patient with me. And they'd hosted lots of students before. So they were great at explaining, um, you know, the whys and the hows of the Japanese language. So it was a great kickstart for, for learning Japanese for sure. I opened this with a question about how you would want to study in a French-speaking country, but I know not everybody comes to college with like, I'm going to study abroad, you know, <laughs> it's not always an expectation. So did you always come to college with like did, wanting to go out and see the world or how does that work for you? To be honest, I didn't really have much of a vision for myself coming into university. Um, all that I knew about myself was that I, I enjoyed making music and I enjoyed meeting people from around the world. And I wanted to follow the Lord wherever he was leading me. And I just didn't have any idea where that was or what that looked like. Um, so I came to school, you know, thinking I just want to learn everything I can about the world. And um, I guess my thought process was the best way to do that is to study abroad. I don't really know what the push was for me in high school um, to, to get me to want to study abroad. We had some high school exchange students in my high school. Um, so I think that probably motivated me. Right on. Hmm. You've mentioned reading the Bible together with your roommate. You've mentioned how you like had a heart for people. Uh, how does that, how, you're obviously a Christian because you work with in ministry here on campus. How does that factored into your college experience? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, to be honest, I don't feel that I really understood the love of Jesus or how to respond to that love until I came to UCM. And, you know, I was reading the Bible by myself for the first time when I came here as a freshman, um, as I was taking some time to find a church to be a part of. And for a while, I didn't have anyone like influencing the way that I thought or interpreted um, what I was reading. And I began to see the Bible in a new way and understand Jesus's love in a way that I never had before. And then Someone who is now my best friend introduced me to the Navigators and encouraged me to join a Bible study that I was for sure 100% confident that I did not need to be a part of. <laughs> um, the Bible study was um, really for people who are already Christians and want to like really understand how that looks in their life more. And I was just convinced that because I had spent 18 years in a church before that I did not need <laughs> any more direction in that way. Um, but thankfully, my friend really um, just encouraged me to just go and try it out. And it was through that Bible study that I really understood for the first time um, that one, that I'm, I should read the Bible with other people who are not believers and to how to do that in a way that is comfortable for, for everyone. 
um, I just really came into school with this mindset that nobody is interested in other religions or in having spiritual discussions or in reading the Bible. And I thought that if I asked people to read the Bible with me, they would be very offended or upset with me and wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. And it turned out that exactly the opposite was true, that the people around me were really excited to to open a book they'd never heard of before or never explored before. Um, And it was just so fun and still is so fun to get to come alongside people who are reading the Bible and discovering the Bible for the first time, especially if they've never read the Bible. They have a really fresh perspective that I don't have because I grew up reading the Bible. So to hear what their questions and their thoughts are has been really challenging and eye-opening for me. It has been a really wonderful experience. Right on. Do you have any, like, ones that particularly, like, took you back? Like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Actually, just um, about a year ago, I had a really sweet friend here um, who is from India. She's back in India now. Um, And I invited her to come to a conference with me. Um, It's called Engage Conference. And that's kind of a weekend event for all the different navigators groups in our region to come together and basically have, you know, workshops and kind of some more intensive study time, I guess you could say. There's, you know, outside pastors brought in and just more of a, like, immersive experience learning from one another. Um, And so this friend from India came with me and she read the story of Jesus's death and resurrection for the first time. And she, (laughs) her response was, probably the most appropriate response to that story, but I had never thought of it in this way. She said, like, so you're telling me that your God paid the price for your sins and died for your sins, but but they're your sins, not your God's sins. Why, why did your God have to die for you? And why does he love you like that? Like, that's so unfair that he had to suffer for you. And she's super right. I had just never really, like, come to terms with how unfair that love is from the Lord. Um, And she kind of elaborated more, you know, like, I have all these gods, um, but they don't do those things for me. Like, if I make a mistake, I have to pay the price for that mistake myself because it's my mistake. That's the only fair way. Um, So that really, you know, I have been reading the Bible with international students for seven or eight years now. And still, like I said, like, I just met her last year and still... I'm learning new things and hearing new perspectives and ideas that are really challenging me and what I believe. Awesome. We'll be right back with more Katie Kim right here on Voices of UCM, so stay tuned. Oh, hi. Right now I'm getting a remarkably heartfelt bear hug from Smokey Bear. Thanks, big guy. Now, if you could let me down. See, I made sure there were no low-hanging branches when I set up my campfire. And before we left, I drowned out my campfire, stirred it, drowned it out again, then made sure it was cold. (laughs) Visit SmokeyBear.com to learn tips to prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. We're here with Katie Kim, 2019 alumnus of International Studies here at UCM and currently on staff with Navigators International Ministries. Katie, you mentioned a conference that was coming up for the NAVs here pretty soon. Uh, what does that look like for you? What, what sort of opportunities do you give students here on campus? So this conference is called Engage Conference. It's something we do every year. It's for all of the navigators 
um, student organizations in our region. So that includes Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Um, and just any campus that has a Navigator student organization, um, those campuses all come together for our fall conference. It's, it's really exciting. It's a whole weekend of workshops and speakers from all over the place and worship. We always have a really cool band. And this year, um, someone from here at UCM, Elijah Cooley, is going to be coordinating the worship team. Um, so that's super fun. Very cool. Yeah, I highly recommend so I've been told that this conference may be a little bit difficult to access if you're not already involved with the Navigators. Is that true? Well, technically anyone can sign up. It's just I don't know that anyone would know how to sign up if you're not already involved with Navigators. Um, we have a link in our Instagram page, which is UCM Navs, UCM NABS, and also Central Plains Navs, I think, .org is another place where people can sign up. Right on. Since that may be a little bit difficult for people to get connected to if they're not already involved with the Navigators, what are some ways students can get involved with the Navigators right here on campus? Yeah, definitely. Um, any any student or staff that is involved with UCM NAVS would just be more than happy to help students get connected wherever they feel is the best fit for them. Um, so in order to, to kind of know, you know, what events we have coming up or what Bible studies we have, we, we share all of those things on our Instagram pages, UCM NAVS or UCM NAVS International. Um, and that's UCM NAVS INTL. But yeah, we have events all throughout the week. Um, tonight, today is Wednesday. Yes, today's Wednesday. So tonight we have volleyball at the crossing. We do that every week and that's just for fun to make new friends and to hopefully get a little bit better at volleyball each week. Um, and then Thursdays we have nav night. That's kind of like our large group worship time. Um, and we sometimes do that in the Union Auditorium and sometimes we do that in Union 219. Um, it's kind of more like a discussion-based time. And then we have Bible studies in small groups on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for anyone who wants to be a part of that. And we have two different groups specifically for international students on Mondays. Um, one, I think, meets at 3, and one is at 7.30. Right on. And you are more involved with the international side of things there, correct? Yes. So w could you walk me through a little bit of what it looks like a day or a week ministering to people on campus? I know you were a student here, and like how that reflects on your ministry here. It's really helpful to have been a student here because, you know, I when I came on staff, I didn't have to kind of learn the layout of a new campus and I didn't really have to start from ground zero, getting a feel for what campus culture is like here. Um, so that's been really fun just to be, you know, where I graduated. And there's still lots of friends that were students when I was a student that are also still students. So that's also super fun. Um, but as far as like any kind of daily routine or structure in my life, um, I feel like that's just something you throw out the door when you go on staff with the campus ministry. <laughs> um, every single day is just totally different. There's just so many events and activities on campus um, for students to be a part of um, that I just get to come alongside students and, and join them in those activities or you know, Navigators also has many events or activities as well. And so those those are different from day to day. And there's really no way to create any kind of set schedule. 
Um, but I do spend time daily eating lunch with students, um, helping them troubleshoot whatever is difficult in their life at the time. And then for those who are interested, coming alongside them and helping them get connected to a Bible study that is the best fit for them. Hmm. And do you think your time abroad has helped you better understand or connect with international students a lot? Definitely. I lived with Japanese students for three semesters before I went to Japan and kind of thought that there wouldn't be much of an adjustment moving to Japan because I had already spent a lot of time with Japanese people here on campus, and I was so wrong. <laughs> Just being in a different country for even a very short amount of time is so incredibly insightful in, you know, the cultural differences that those students have to navigate once they're here. Um, and also seeing the different things that our partner universities provided for their exchange students um, versus the experience of exchange students here was really eye-opening um, and kind of getting a better understanding of what their expectations are when they come here um, and helping them figure out, you know, the missing pieces once they're here. Have you had any opportunities for like, helping students through weird transitions coming to a, so you mentioned it was a bit of a maybe almost a culture shock, you could say, moving into a new country and experiencing that. You mentioned it brings insight. Have you had any times where you've been ministering to international students and you've had to help them overcome that culture shock or deal with that or understand it better? Yeah, to be honest, a lot of the, the difficulties that international students here have to overcome or have to troubleshoot, a lot of those things are really physical needs, like um, like getting to the grocery store and getting to the airport to go home or, you know, things like that, that we don't really have to think about in our daily lives that we kind of take for granted, but are extremely difficult for international students here. So um, getting to just serve them by having a car for them and helping them get connected to transportation or friends who can drive. Um, taking people to Walmart is something I do all the time taking people to eat off campus so they're not eating the same food over and over again for their entire time here in the United States. Um, things like that. Those are kind of probably the biggest component of what I get to help people with. Um, but yeah, for sure, being, being able to help students navigate those cultural differences too of like, you know, why, when my professor says this, what do they mean? Or why does my American friend do this? Or what's going on with my roommate? Like she's saying these things or she's not saying these things. That's really fun too, to kind of be in the middle. Um, I also really enjoyed that role when I was interning for the Friendship Families program as a student helping connect local community members to international students here on campus and kind of bridge the gap culturally between those two groups. Um, yeah, because there's, there's things that we don't understand, you know, on both sides. And it's really, really just beautiful to see both parties come together and begin to understand new things about each other and learn how to communicate um, cross-culturally. Yeah, that is so fun. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned the Friendship Families program while you were still here as a student. Uh, now, not uh, obviously not everybody is involved with a college ministry who's listening in to this radio show, but, you know, they still might have an international friend or want to make some international friends to learn a little bit more about the world. What would you encourage people to do to maybe get to better know them or hang out with them more? Or how would that, you know, what are some things that they could do to help better connect with international people here on campus? Yeah, that is a great question. It's like my favorite question to answer. 
Uh, I would always encourage people who want to make international friends to just say hi. I think there's kind of this, um, this mindset or this misunderstanding that students from other countries don't want American friends, and that could not be further from the truth. Um, so just say hi and introduce yourself. That is super, totally okay. Also, we have programs. <laughs> we, I don't work for the university. The university has programs. <laughs> for exactly for this one of them is the conversation partners program um, where uh, inter international students and domestic students are matched up and asked to meet together once a week at the minimum for about an hour and just help international students practice their English or if they're already native English speakers learn more about American culture or UCM culture um, I really enjoyed that program as a student and learned so much about the world through that. So um, it's free and it's really easy to apply. Just you can talk to somebody in the ELI office or ISS office about that. There's also English Cafe. That's a time once a month hosted by, I think, the ELI office where anybody is welcome to come and just hang out with international students. There's always a little presentation about one student's country, and then there's some snacks and some kind of game to get to know each other. That is very fun. And yeah, for community members, there's also the Friendship Families program where you are matched with a student. It is not a host program. You're not expected to host students overnight, but it is um, just kind of the same as conversation partners. You're just expected to meet, I think they ask at least once a month, just to give students a chance to make a connection with an American family or a local family and have kind of that home away from home feeling to have someone to eat dinner with and get off campus with. Um, yeah, so those are great opportunities to get to know people from around the world. Right on. Well, thank you so much for sharing those opportunities with us today. We'll be right back with more Katie Kim right here on Voices of UCM. So please stay tuned. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. We're here with Katie Kim today, 2019 alumnus of International Studies right here at UCM and currently on staff with Navigators International Ministries. So Katie, we talked a little bit about cultural differences here in the States, but how does that especially like relate to your job as a ministry professional, I guess? How can those cultural differences be different for how you minister? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, so I didn't really know much about this until I had been reading the Bible with international students for like three years. Um, and and students, you know, would get really excited about what we were reading, um, but it didn't really click. It wasn't, it didn't feel personal um, to, to some students. And I learned later, um, after about three years of doing that, <laughs> that there's different, well, I guess no. I guess I took, when I was at Kansai Gaidai in Japan, I did take an intercultural communications class. And that was super, super helpful for like learning how to communicate things um, just, you know, in daily life, but as well as in communicating stories from the Bible too. Right on. But after that, um, there was a book that was really impactful for me called 3D Gospel, which um, kind of 
breaks down the entire world into three groups. Um, the first group is guilt innocence, which is kind of where North America is placed in this huge generalization um, book, I guess, um, saying that when we read the Bible, the most important thing that sticks out to us is like we are guilty and um, thanks to the blood of Jesus, his blood makes us innocent before the Lord. Um, so we really value guilt and innocence. But many, many, many other cultures in the world, probably the majority um, group, if you were to like literally divide the whole world into three groups, um, <laughs> the majority of cultures would fall into honor shame, where um, shame is much more important than actual guilt. Um, and people look to, you know, save face and preserve honor and to honor one another. So, so that was really interesting to me because I had never thought about how, how can we read, you know, the same stories in the Bible, but, but read them so differently. And I found that when I started reading these stories in the Bible that focus more on shame and restoring honor, that that really clicked with students from these other um, cultural groups. Um, so that was just really eye-opening to me. And then the third group is fear and power. And of course, those are just three huge generalizations and you can't generalize the entire world. Right. Um, but those are just helpful tools um, to kind of think about how people communicate and what values are important to them. And, and that is so, so, so huge in trying to communicate stories from the Bible, you know, with people who've never read the Bible before. And also, you know, they're not just reading the Bible, but they're reading the Bible in a culture that is not their own. And the Bible was written in a culture that is not our own. So there's just so many layers of cultural differences um, to unpack. And, and that's fun. I enjoy doing that. Right on. Now, I don't want to paint a picture that it may seem like you just studied abroad in Japan. As a student, I hear you actually studied abroad like four different times. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was really, really um, fortunate to be a part of a Middle East study abroad tour the summer after my freshman year. That was led by Dr. Makara. And they're still doing a similar tour. It's kind of been reworked, and I think it includes different countries now. Um, but yeah, I did that for about two and a half weeks um, the summer after my freshman year. And that was my first time to be gone for home, gone from home for a long time. After that study abroad tour, um, I went from the Middle East to Switzerland, and I spent some time with a friend who had studied at my high school. She is from Switzerland, and her right family very graciously hosted me. And then from there, I went to Belarus and was a teacher in a like short-term, very intensive English camp for um, Belarusian nas nationals who wanted to practice English. Um, and that was my first ever teaching experience. It was kind of um, an accident from the Lord that I got to be a part of that trip. I had no desire to teach English before that. Um, and that really greatly impacted my career um, and the path of my life. Then after the summer after that, or this, gosh, when was it? The spring semester of my sophomore year is when I studied in Japan. And I was there for about six months but one of those months I spent traveling around Asia and I got to connect with UCM students, like international students from other countries who had studied at UCM. I got to meet them in their home countries um, in Japan and in South Korea and in the Philippines. So that was very, very fun. Awesome. Then the summer after that, 
So the summer after my junior year, I was part of the Global Vision Scholarship. I was a Global Vision Scholarship recipient. So I got to go to Tanzania for about three weeks um, to volunteer with the Global Volunteers Program, which I highly recommend to anyone who wants to do um, any kind of volunteering abroad that is led by locals. It is completely led by locals. Um, you do what the locals tell you. You know, you're not in people's way. Um, so that was a really great experience. That same summer, I also, after finishing that program, I went back to Japan um, to do a month of intensive Japanese study. And are we up to four? Yeah, that's four. That was right my on. four study abroad. So you didn't just study abroad. After you graduated, you also went back to Japan, if I understand, to teach there. And that was during some really hectic years, these last few years. Uh, what was that like for you, navigating um, both a different culture, teaching, and also a pandemic at the same time? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Of course, when I went to Japan, I left in the summer of 2019, so there wasn't a pandemic yet. I had about seven golden months of <laughs> pandemic-free life. Um, so I went to Japan to to be an English teacher or assistant language teacher through the JET program, which is Japanese Exchange and Teaching. Um, that's through the Japanese government. And uh, it's a really, really great way to get into I don't want to scare off anyone who doesn't like rural parts of Japan, but it is a really great way to get into the rural parts of Japan. Um, you know, you can study in the cities and you can, it's pretty easy to get into the cities as a, as a tourist or as a student, but it's, it's weird to go to the countryside if you don't have any connections there. Um, so this program, I think, is just really great if you want to see like daily life in a part of Japan that's kind of inaccessible otherwise. Um, so I was placed on an island called Sado. Um, it's a small island in the north, and it's the, the smallest big island and the biggest small island, so the perfect size. <laughs> and it was just beautiful. You know, living in Missouri, um, I have a big sky here, but there's no mountains and no ocean. And I had both of those um, on Sado Island. So that was a huge blessing. So fun. I got to teach in three elementary schools and one middle school. And I would change schools every day at lunchtime. So I had so many wonderful students. Um, just they made me smile every single day. I learned so much about Japanese culture by getting to be a part of the education system in Japan. Um, that is so insightful in understanding kind of where Japanese students are at when they, by the time they get to UCM. And one of my closest friends on the island was an English teacher in the high school. So um, I just really enjoyed getting to kind of peer into that aspect of Japanese culture. I don't think there's anything similar between Japanese and American schools, except they're both schools and there's people there. <laughs> Everything else is just really, really different. And that was really fun. When the pandemic started, we I think Japan was, of course, second from China, was maybe the first country to kind of shut down. Um, and we just were told suddenly like, oh, our schools are closed for a month, go home. Uh, that was really weird. You know, we didn't really know what was going on. Um, but I was really fortunate that I lived in a really rural place, so it was not hard to social distance, and it was not hard to, um, you know, go out and get my groceries without seeing any other human beings. I could do that pretty safely, um, and I could go for a walk or go hiking anytime I needed to get out of my apartment. So I was really spoiled and really blessed that that was where I got to spend the pandemic. Of course, there wasn't 
really an opportunity to travel around Japan and to reconnect with the friends that I had made here at UCM. So that was a big bummer for sure. And I did have plans to travel to other Asian countries to reconnect with friends from UCM as well. And of course, was not able to do that. But I was in a really safe place during the pandemic and I was fortunate to be there. All right, right on. Is there anything else you'd like to share today? Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't do well with open-ended questions. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Katie. I think we've all learned a lot, about, especially about how to connect to international students. I myself have actually been part of the Conversation Partner Program here at UCM. I absolutely encourage any listeners who want to get involved with international students in any way or just want to learn a little bit more about other cultures. That is a great way to do it, great way to make new friends, and honestly, usually enjoy a great game of ping pong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So thank you so much for tuning in today, and thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Yeah, thank you. Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled, and we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM, with campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu.